a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 9, The Meat Zone. I'm not at liberty to discuss it. Because you don't know, do you? Oh, I know. And it's such The Meat Zone airing September 14th, 2003. And to me, we're really getting into classic season two territory at this point. When I watch this episode, I'm really starting to see season two come together and resemble more of what it will in the back half of this season or all of the volume three episodes, which as I'm looking on and reflecting on these episodes coming up, I realize how absolutely stacked the back half of the season is it's a little insane how consistent they were in the episodes that we will be getting to as opposed to the beginning of the season here this first half it's a little up and down of course nothing here is is horrible or bad or anything like that but it definitely gets a lot more consistent and i'm excited to talk about it i'd say between volumes two and three the dvd box sets that split up season two volume three is a bit stronger i think surprisingly but it is hard though because volume two has Mail Order, Bride, and Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past on it from Season 1, and those are two of the best episodes of Season 1, so it gets a little tough, but but I, I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from. This episode, The Meat Zone, though, for some reason, I thought the Moon Knights were in it. I really, really thought that they were, and I think that's because this episode is the first time that we see the Foodie Mart, which comes back throughout the series a few times. It's just a convenience store that they'll run to occasionally, and in Season 3, I guess, there's an episode called Remooned, with the Moon and Knights in it, where they go to the Foodie March. So that must have been what I was thinking of. I really thought that was this episode, though, but it's not. And I was prepared this week to talk about a Moon and Knights episode until I rewatched the episode, and I was like, oh, shit, never mind. I guess I have to reformulate what I might be saying here. But this episode, of course, I knew it was where Meatwad could see the future, but I thought the Moon Knights showed up and exploited this somehow. I just, I was just formulating an episode in my head, I guess. Just faulty memory there. But yeah, no Moon Knights, but still a very strong episode nonetheless. Some really just fantastic dialogue. Excited to get into it. But of course, before we get into that, we got some other stuff to talk about. For our Aqua Teen news this week, Dana Snyder had a tiny little interview thing over on rvamag.com. And Ash Griffith put this really fun article together with Dana Snyder. He talks a little bit about Aqua Teen, but it's also just about him as a voice actor and all the other stuff that he's up to. But of course, this being an Aqua Teen podcast, let's see what we got here about the Aqua Teens. Dana says this regarding the upcoming Aqua Teen film. The movie picks up right now and fills you in on everything. They are not together for reasons I will not divulge. They do the classic, we've got to get the band back together. So that's what Dana had to say about the upcoming Aqua Teen film, and this not really anything we don't know, and in fact, I can give you more information on this because Dave Willis has said that the Aqua Teens are not together because Frylock is working for an Amazon-like corporation called Amazon. So that's why Frylock kind of got fed up with the Aqua Teens with taking care of them, so he left to go work for this company, but then the Aqua Teens have to get back together and uh, fight the evil corporation, so... That's kind of uh, more information on the movie there. But yeah, really fun article. I'll link it in the show notes. Check it out. You know, Dana Snyder, he's in a ton of other stuff too. He's not just in Aqua Teen. 
so it's cool to see what he's got to say. Regarding the information I gave you about the upcoming film, that was all discussed over on the Adult Swim Festival panel that they had this year, or I guess last year at this point. So on this podcast feed, if you go over to the panel recap, uh, I go over everything that was discussed there about the upcoming film and stuff like that. If you need a refresher or you never listened to that episode in the first place, check it out. There's some good information about the movie. Hopefully we'll be getting some more information soon. Moving on to our community stuff. Lynn has sent us a voice message this week, so let's hear what Lynn's got to say. Hey, what's kicking? My name's Lynn. I've been listening to this podcast for about six months, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for the time and the energy you've put into it, because I know it's been a lot so far. I think Aqua Teen Hunger Force was the funniest thing I ever watched as a child. And even though I might have not understood a lot of it, it was fucking hilarious. And now I own some box sets. I don't remember where I got them from. I just own them and they're precious to me. So you've done a great job. Keep up the good work. And I know everybody says that, but really your execution of this podcast based on a visual media is really impressive. So tweak it however you got to tweak it to keep it going. But don't wear yourself out. Take it easy. Lynn listening for six months, and it's just kind of a shock to think about that, to think that this has been going on at least that long. I think it's been about seven months, something like that. But yeah, I'm kind of transitioning from, in my mind, this podcast being something new I do to just something I do now, because it's been over half a year, so it's not really that new anymore. But I guess seven months in podcasting years, not very long. But yeah, thank you for this message, Lynn. It's very kind of you. I really appreciate what you had to say on the effort that goes into the podcast because yeah, it does take a lot of time and and all that stuff. But luckily, I just feel really blessed that this show exists, that Aqua Teen exists because it's something that I actually enjoy talking about. So luckily, it never feels forced. Of course, there are days when it's harder than others because of lack of time or whatever, but it's always fun doing it. So I appreciate your message. And as for getting your Aqua Teen DVDs, I don't know I ever mentioned. I, I've made it very clear at this point on this podcast. I had volumes two and three. I got those bad boys from Barnes & Noble, the bookstore, I think. So pretty dang expensive place. I probably could have gotten them cheaper elsewhere. I think they were about 30 bucks at Barnes & Noble. But back in 2005 or something like that, my family didn't have a credit card or a debit card or anything. So I couldn't really buy stuff online. So that was my only option. But unlike Lynn, I did not treasure my DVDs because I brought them with me. It's a long story. I brought them with me the first time I moved to live with my fiance's family while she was at college because, uh, long story. Anyways, I lived there for maybe about six months or something, brought my DVDs with me, but then I was moving from Illinois to Missouri. I'm like, I can't bring these with me. I don't have a DVD player anymore or anything like that. So I donated them. I let them go. And I kind of regret it now just because I should have kept those. It's such like a nostalgic keepsake that I should have just held on to them. But yeah, I let them go. They were kind of trashed anyways because I had them since I was a kid. So hey, if you love something, you got to let it go. You got to set it free. Had to do that with my Aqua Teen DVDs. But thank you, Lynn, for this message. Again, I really appreciated it. And I'm not going to lie. Can I be honest with all of you right now? Every single time I start to listen to a voice message, I'm always just waiting for the person to be like, oh, you suck. (laughs) Ha ha. Fuck you. Or something like that. Of course, that has happened literally zero times. Everyone has been very kind in their messages, but it'll happen one of these days. I know it. As for making a podcast based on a visual media, I am very lucky with Aqua Teen in that everyone involved in production, they would make a radio play 
first. Like the audio all came first, and they really made a conscious effort to make the audio stand on its own. So if you couldn't see the visual aspect, the show was still funny. And I'm just so grateful for that because that's what allows this podcast to exist because the the audio itself is hilarious. You you don't really need to know what's going on visually to really appreciate it. Of course there's a few things you would miss, but overall it's not like you're it's just action sounds or anything like that. You don't get that in Aquatine. So very fortunate for that that it makes my job not only easier but just possible, I guess, because if this show wasn't like this, I probably would have given up at this point. But yeah, thank you, Lynn. It means a lot to me that you've listened for so long, and I really appreciate the things that you had to say. So if you would like to send in your own voice message, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancing is forbidden, or just check the show notes, click the link there, easy peasy. All right, that's it for our community stuff this week. Let's head on over and see what in the heck was going on the week that the Meat Zone premiered. Playing both sides all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have Once Upon a Time in Mexico bringing in over $23 million this week. Holy smokes, we got bad boy John Depp acting his heart and soul out in this one. I had heard of this film, but I haven't seen it. IMDb gives it a 6.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes with a 66%. Not bad ratings at all, so it's probably a pretty decent movie. A little bit of trivia here for you. Johnny Depp shot all of his scenes in eight days, but after filming was done, he didn't want to leave. So he suggested to Robert Rodriguez that he play a small part, the priest that Antonio Banderas talks to at the church, and used his Marlon Brando impression. Old Johnny Depp here, he just can't say goodbye. He can't get out of there. He's got to stick around. It's with a heavy heart that I let you know that there is no shared cast or crew between this film and Aqua Teen Hunger Force or the Aqua Teen 2007 film. So sad. Real quick, though, I want to mention a film that came out this past week that we will not talk about because it doesn't go to the top of the box office, and that is Lost in Translation by Sofia Coppola. Really, really good movie with Bill Murray in it alongside Scarlett Johansson and a kick-ass soundtrack. So Sofia Coppola is actually married to the singer from the band Phoenix. And this is before they got married or, or were even dating maybe, but, but there's a Phoenix song in the soundtrack. There's a Square Pusher song. You have Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine doing the soundtrack. It's a good time. You got to check it out. Sofia Coppola really knows how to put a soundtrack together. Let me tell you. Her 2006 film, Marie Antoinette, has an equally amazing soundtrack, probably even better because it features one of my favorite bands, the Radio Department, who were not known at all at the time. Sophia kind of blew them up in the States, at least. They're a Swedish band, so gotta love her. But all right, since we're talking about music, let's head over see what was popular at this time. Let's hear our top album this week. We have Mary J. Blige with Love and Life selling 286,000 units this week. And despite that, I didn't recognize a single song off of this album. To be honest with you, though, I don't really know much of Mary J. Blige's music at all. But looking at Rate Your Music, this album specifically stands out like a black sheep with pretty not great reviews on it. While everything else is still highly regarded to this day that she has basically done up until this point. 
So this seems to just be, you know, a, a commercial kind of cash-in in a way. Just surprised to see how well it did and, and how big of a name she is. And, and I didn't recognize a single song on it. So not a whole lot to say about it. One thing of note, though, is Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Diddy, more or less produced every single song on the album. So heavy involvement from him. And critically, it did well when it came out. But yeah, I, I uh, again, not really something we're talking about these days. Moving on to our top track this week, it is yet again Shake Your Tail Feather by Nelly P. Diddy and Murphy Lee. So that's Diddy up here twice now. He's uh, kind of dominating this week. Shake Your Tail Feather, fun song. We talked about it last week. And then our top alternative track yet again is Linkin Park's Faint. Another awesome track, but we already talked about it. Getting ahead of this episode by one day, though, there is a music event I would like to touch on, and that is on September 15th. Billy Corgan announces that Zwan has broken up. Now, Billy Corgan, lead singer, guitarist of Smashing Pumpkins, my favorite band. This was in a period the Smashing Pumpkins had broken up in 2000. And then Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, went on to form Zwan, which was a super group. It also featured Matt Sweeney from Skunk and Chavez, David Pajo from Slint, amongst a few other bands, and Paz Lenchantine. I hope I pronounced that right who had worked with A Perfect Circle and is now in Pixies. So this was a big super group that honestly was pretty good. I I like Zwan. They only put out one album, Mary Star of the Sea. But my understanding is before they put this album out, they actually had a whole handful of songs that they were playing live that a lot of people consider better that didn't get put on the album. But this whole Zwan project was really interesting because kind of religious themed a tiny bit, which is interesting coming from Billy Corgan. Also interesting coming from Billy Corgan is a majority of the songs are like happy. They have like a, a, a positive sound to them, which is unlike what he had been doing before this. And is really the only time you kind of see it outside of a handful of Smashing Pumpkins songs. But yeah, the group just didn't last. They put out this one album, which, you know, honestly, is probably better than it's supposed to be. Some of honestly, I think Billy Corgan's best songs are on this album as well. And didn't work. There was a lot of infighting between the band members. I know Paz and one of the other guys, I'm not really sure, I'm not sure which guy, but one of them, like they were in a relationship or hooking up or something like that, and it just devolved, and it was it was too much for old Billy Corrigan, he got out of there, went on to do a solo album in 2005, and then reformed Smashing Pumpkins with Jimmy Chamberlain, also of Smashing Pumpkins and Zwan, in 2007, we'll talk about that when we get there, trust me. By the time I am done covering every Aqua Teen episode, you will know every bit of Smashing Pumpkins trivia. Let me play you a little bit of Zwan's lyric, and then we will jump over and talk about our video games. On September 12th, or three days before this episode of Aqua Teen premieres, we have a little company called Valve releasing their tiny little game distribution software called Steam out of beta. So that's right, Steam is now it's a big boy, it's grown up, and it is now dominating the PC gaming world. For those who don't know, Steam is basically an online web store kind of thing, an app where you can buy games and then you, through Steam, you install them and play them, which 
Nowadays, we take for granted back in the day wasn't necessarily the norm. And, and a big thing here is you could also update the games through Steam, which was a big deal. Updating games back in the day could be quite an issue. But through Steam, things got a little bit easier, a little bit more centralized. And of course, the big reason for Steam back then was for Valve's own games. For example, Half-Life, Counter-Strike, Team Fortress, lots of games that went on to have really popular sequels, but were also huge in their own right. And the irony here being that Valve is now probably more known for Steam than for their own games, because famously, the company doesn't really put out a ton of games anymore, which is a good thing. They're not just putting stuff out to make money. They really want stuff to be great when they put it out. But yeah, games are definitely not their focus anymore, which makes sense. They make so much money off of Steam because there is a marketplace. So, so if you don't play games in, the, in a lot of these games, you can get items that you can then sell for real money on the marketplace. This being kind of the precursor to NFTs, which are the big thing now, where in Counter-Strike, you could have a skin on your gun that could be worth hundreds, if not thousands of real world dollars that was all just kind of, you know, speculative based. It wasn't based in any real monetary value other than what people were willing to pay for it, really. But all right, let's move on from this. I am a big Valve fanboy. I, I own basically all their games, which isn't a ton of games. You can you can buy like all their games for about 25 bucks on Steam. So it's not a huge deal, but I love everything really they've put out. Counter-Strike Global Offensive being the first game I really actively tried to get good at back in 2014 or so. So lots of really good memories there. Love Valve. Moving on here, though, we have... On the 8th, Anarchy Online, the Shadowlands expansion comes out for Anarchy Online, which is, yeah, an old MMORPG. Never played it, but I'm always interested to watch footage of these old MMOs because I never got to play them when I was a kid besides RuneScape, really. So like to see what's going on over there. Looks like a decent enough game from the time. People still playing it to this day, but not as big as something like World of Warcraft. And then we also get Final Fantasy Tactics Advance coming out in the United States for the Game Boy Advance. This being a game similar to the Fire Emblem games where you move your characters around on a battlefield and then you fight with them and all that kind of stuff. So that's our week in gaming. Not a bad week. We got some decent games coming out. Nice expansion to Anarchy Online and also Behemoth Steam coming out of beta, which, you know, 10 years later would be the top dog in the gaming industry. This now not as much the case because of things like Epic Games coming up. Ubisoft Connect, EA Play, but for now at least, Steam still seems to be the top dog. So alright, you saw John Depp act his heart out in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. You are crying that Billy Corgan announces that Zwan broke up, and you are updating your Counter-Strike game with Steam. What is going on on Adult Swim this week? Our lineup here, basically the same as we've been getting the past few weeks. We have at 11 p.m. The Big O with episode Stripes, which is a new episode. And I did some digging into this, and it seems like The Big O for all these new episodes is exclusive to Adult Swim in the U.S. So I think that's why they're pushing it so hard at the front of the lineup here, as opposed to putting it at the end with all the other anime. But again, just still interesting for reasons I've touched on plenty of times, so I'll stop nagging you about that. 11.30 p.m., we get The Brack Show with We Ski in Peace. 11.45 p.m., Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Meat Zone. You know that. 12 a.m., Sea Lab 2021 with All That Jazz. 12.15, Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Love Sick. 12.30, Home Movies with My Cheatin' Heart. 1 a.m., Trigun with Live Through. 
and 1.30 a.m. Cowboy Bebop with The Real Folk Blues Part 1. So again, the Big O Aqua Teen are only shows with new episodes. Hoping for a switch up here, but this is what we're getting. So all right, we're ready for it. Let's jump on over and see what the heck is going on in the meat zone. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it, check oh, it out. Check it out. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Cock. Are you trying to seal joints or seams against leakage? Does your diet not conform to the normalities of what a human can ingest? Do you want to tell the future but not really? Try Cock. Cock. It'll seal you up. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful supporters over on Patreon.com slash Dancing is Forbidden, where they are pledging $1, $5, $10 a month to keep this show trucking along. At the $5 and up tier, you get access to exclusive episodes, for example, diving into other Adult Swim shows, the way that we deep dive into these Aqua Teen episodes, as well as every month diving into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters until we finish that sucker up. And a little reminder, since next week is the last Monday of the month, there is no deep dive. We are doing our community jiggle here on the free feed and over on Patreon, continuing our deep dive into the 2007 film. So if you would like to check out that deep dive at the end of this month, you know what you gotta do. If you wanna support the show, but you can't afford to do it financially, just talking about the show, sharing the show, liking stuff on social media that I post, it all helps out, man. We also have a Discord. I think it'd be cool if you joined. Check the show notes if you'd like to chat with me, with other fans of the podcast. We got all sorts of Aqua Teen stuff going on over there. So, hey, I think that's enough for now. I think it's time to tell the future. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The Meat Zone, of course, airing September 14th, 2003, with a TV-14 rating, and it now airs the TV-14D rating for suggestive dialogue. And that really, I think, comes down to the butt frenzy scene that we will get into. Master Shake looking at a uh, softcore porn, I suppose, magazine. I'm not really sure on the terminology for this, but we see lots of butts on the screen at one point. Makes sense they're putting a 14 on this thing. You will notice this episode does not start with the word super, and the next episode, Super Trivia, does, and that is because the episodes were aired out of order here. Not entirely sure why. The episode, Super Trivia, does have Seth MacFarlane in it, creator of Family Guy, and I was wondering if they maybe moved that episode back to run in tandem with some other events, like maybe a Family Guy premiere or something along those lines, but I couldn't really find anything. That doesn't mean nothing exists, but nothing that I could find, so not sure why this episode was aired earlier than it was supposed to be, but it was. Anyways, the production code on this one is 211, and thanks to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, I can tell you what the title on this one is referencing. The title and the premise of the episode are a parody of the 1979 Stephen King novel The Dead Zone, and this book was eventually turned into a movie in 1983 which stars Christopher Walken, which he is referenced in this episode, which is funny. We will get to that, of course. And there's also a TV series on the USA Network starring Anthony Michael Hall, that ran from 2002 to 2007. So this TV series coming out around the time that this would have been written or it, it, it was established by the time the episode was written. So they were probably really getting the inspiration from the TV show, I would think. They're kind of spoofing it. The novel The Dead Zone is about a school teacher who wakes up from a five-year coma 
and got cursed with psychic powers to see people's death before it happened by touching them. So that's what's going on here. Which after all these years is nice because I've seen this episode countless times and now I know what they're drawing from, but you don't need to know that to enjoy it. It's still funny on its own. The Meat Zone does not feature any guest voice actors, but it does have a commentary track, which is exciting because we don't get a ton of these. And this commentary track featured Jay Edwards, who is a producer and editor on the show, Ned Hastings, who is also a producer and editor on the show, Scott Fry, who does computer animation, and Craig Harden, who does computer animation and special effects. So it was really about the actual production of the show, all the talk in the commentary, which was interesting. A lot of the stuff I've already told you about, so not a ton we can use here, and nothing really specific to the episode. There's a couple things, but that was the one bummer, was it didn't really give me info on the episode itself, just more so on the production of the show, but that's all right. There's definitely some tidbits I'll be able to give you from listening to the commentary track. And it was funny how much of a contrast it was between the commentaries with Matt and Dave and some of the voice actors, because in those commentaries, it's a lot more messing around and honestly, just sometimes periods of silence or, or no talking, just playing instruments or whatever. And this voice track was was really dense. They are talking the entire time about the show, about how they made the show, but also fitting in a lot of jokes. All these guys are very funny as well, as you would expect anybody to be working on the show would be, really. But all right, with that out of the way, I think we're ready to jump into our Dr. Weird skits. This one's really simple, no visual elements to explain here other than Steve and Dr. Weird are talking to each other from across the room. Dr. Weird is standing there like normal Dr. Weird. He has his hair helmet on, but he's asking Steve where his hair helmet is. It's on his head. Let's take a listen. Gentlemen, who stole my herarium? You, you, you what? My hair helmet! Oh, well, that that's right there on your head. Oh! So that's it. Just Dr. Weird says bullshit, and that's the end of it. Makes no sense, but one of my favorites, I think, Dr. Weird sketch. It's just really funny. It's quick. It's to the point. Very silly. I'm trying to think of a link between this skit and the full episode, even something a little far-fetched, but I got nothing. So let's move into the episode proper. It is daytime. We open to Master Shake and Meatwad standing on the sidewalk, and Master Shake is trying to teach Meatwad how to cross the road safely, but Master Shake is giving him all the wrong information. That's really all the setup we need. Let's jump into this clip. Look, there's only one way to get across this street. You close your eyes and just bolt out there with complete disregard for machine. What if I just kept one open? And maybe try to devil. Yeah. If you think you're gonna get somewhere in life by cheating, yeah. I mean, you may as well just paint yourself yellow, run around like a maniac, and call yourself Banana Man. Because that's what you're doing. What's that, man? Shut up. I'm trying to teach you. Now get out there, Banana Man. Okie dokie. Well, wait a minute. Let's wait. Wait a minute. Whoa. Hold on a minute. Stop. No, I did it. Look, <laughs> I did it. I'm across the street. Okay. Yes, you did. Get lucky. <laughs> now, what did we learn today? So, as you can hear, that is Meatwad successfully crossing the street. Shake is like, yeah, just, just go out there with your eyes closed. He wants Meatwad to get ran over. But Meatwad lucks out. He gets across the street, no problem. There are some cars driving by. We see a purple car drive by. And these cars are going pretty fast. It seems like they're going way too fast for a residential area. But that's how fast they're going. It's funny to see the cars because they are obviously just ripped from some other show and there's no real animation to them. They just move really quickly across the screen, but it's just a static image, which I like. 
So let's jump back into the scene here. Meatwad has successfully crossed the street. He's on the other side. And this is the most of the neighborhood we've really ever seen. Now we see the other side. We're going to get some close-ups of there. We will talk about that on the other side of the clip. But yeah, let's hear what Meatwad has to say about what he learned today. Pedestrian always has a right around. Yes, except when you're in the world. <laughs> exactly, my boy. Okay, now this time we're going to cross the street the hard way. Right. Long ways. Right. I'll keep score. Okay. <laughs> so Shake is saying we're crossing the hard way long ways. So Meatwad is just supposed to go in the street and go down the street, essentially, increasing his odds of getting hit by a car. We hear a car at the beginning of that clip, and we see it, and it is the same exact car model that we saw at the beginning of the episode here, or the, or the proper episode with the Aqua Teens. So they're just straight up reusing this car again. But hey, that's fine. If you're watching the episode, you'll notice that the background on this other side of the road, when they zoom in on Meatwad, it's just super blurry. And it almost makes me wonder, is there supposed to be a focus blur effect here? Is the background supposed to be blurry? But that's not really the style of the show. They always focus on the characters and the backgrounds are usually relatively clear. That's not the case here. It, really, it made me think they were going for some sort of uh, bokeh effect or something, but they're not. It's just really the, the asset was so low quality that when they blow it up, they probably chose to blur it just so it wasn't completely pixelated. Kind of funny to see Meatwad learning about crossing the street today when my fiance had to take her driving exam, the written portion today, because her license expired and she didn't realize it. And since we moved states, she needed to get a Minnesota license anyways. So it all kind of worked out, but yeah, she had to study for the written exam. She was very nervous. She's uh, 26 years old, and she's very nervous about it. Oh, man, am I going to pass or not? But she did fine. She passed. But yeah, studying for those is difficult. I, I took mine last year. I was 27 or so, and same thing. I was like, oh, my God, I might not pass this. But you realize there's high schoolers that pass. It's not that difficult. If you've been driving for a while, you'll probably be okay. She passed, and Meatwad passed this exam because he crossed the road successfully, even though he's getting all the wrong information. I remember being a kid and, you know, crossing the road was really one of the big concerns you had in your life when you, you know, when I, when I used to go outside. <laughs> not really a thing anymore. I mostly stay inside these days. Crossing a road, not on my mind. Anyways, Frylock is about to enter the scene, and I love when Frylock enters the scene whenever Meatwad and Shake are doing something, and both Meatwad and Shake are like, oh boy, look who's here. They both just kind of gang up on him, even though Frylock is way nicer to Meatwad than Shake is. You think Meatwad would be happy to see Frylock, but he never is, and I love that joke. But all right, let's take a listen. What are y'all doing? Oh, great! Oh, no. Patrol <laughs> on alert! alert. <laughs> We're not doing jack, so why don't you just go back inside and stroke your test tubes like I know you love yeah, to do. go back inside. We don't want them. <laughs> Meatwad, come on in out of the road. It's dangerous. Uh-uh. This here is my road when I was in it. And I'm in it. So, just cutting this here, because this scene kind of goes on for a while. But yeah, again, just love. Just just the way that Shake, it says, Geek Patrol on alert. And then Meatwad says back, sound the nerd alarm. Like, Meatwad's just kind of mirroring Shake. Very cute, very funny that Meatwad always pines for Shake's approval. And really funny in the context of season two, of course, where we have seen Meatwad fuck with Shake quite a bit. Just, you know, Meatwad's personality all over the place. We've touched on this already many times, so I'm not going to get too into it. But it's just fun to see which version of Meatwad they're going with per episode. Anyways, back to our clip. Meatwad says, this here's my road when I's in it, and I'm in it. Because Frylock says, it's dangerous in the road. Get out of there. And Frylock is about to ask Meatwad, well, who told you that? So let's continue on with this scene. Who told you that? Master Sam. <laughs> Uh, Captain Master Shake. Oh? Uh, of Interplanetary Traffic Safety Squad and Patrol. 
Which unit? All units. Except? Uh, except <laughs> Jupiter and Spain, unless otherwise noted. Good. We're learning something here. Meatwad, come here. Traffic safety class is over. Forever. You know, you leave now and you're going to get an F. Mm -hmm. Come on, Meatwad. That's right. And if I don't pass this class, I'm never going to get a job crossing roads. But you're about to get a glass of chocolate milk. Chocolate milk? Well, right. Let's get the hell out of here. No! <laughs> <laughs> Miwad wants to get a job crossing roads. Not entirely sure what job would entail that unless you're a uh, crossing guard or something along those lines, but Miwad's not tall enough. He can't assert any sort of authority over those cars. He doesn't have the height. Unless he did his Wayne Gretzky pose, then I guess he would be tall enough. Anyways, a detail here that I love is when Master Shake corrects Miwad. Miwad just says Master Shake, and then he says, Ahem, Meatwad says, oh, uh, Captain Master Shake. And then Shake says, of... Shake moves his arms around a little bit, and it's actually really cute when he does that. And then he does it again when Shake says, accept. He, you really see him move his arms around back and forth when he's saying this. And it's not something that I've noticed that they've had him do before. Normally, his hands are just stationary unless he's picking something up. Even then, his body tends to move, and he just kind of moves his body to get stuff. He doesn't really move his hands a whole lot. So this really stood out to me, but also added so much flavor to the scene. Totally unnecessary on their part, but I'm glad that they did it. It really kind of made things more lively in a way, but just kind of cute to see Shake moving his hands. He says, of, and except, he moves his hands around. He's really into this uh, role-playing that he's doing with Meatwad. Which, it's always fun to see Meatwad and Shake getting along somewhat, of course, because Shake really is picking on bullying Meatwad here, get, trying to get him hit by a car, so it's not really a sweet scene. But still, when they're playing along together, playing nicely without devolving into violence or name-calling or whatever, it's always a little treat. Anyways, though, Frylock is tempting Meatwad with some chocolate milk, and Meatwad quickly drops the charade he is in with Shake. He just wants to get some chocolate milk. I don't blame him. So Frylock and Meatwad are in the street, and Frylock puts his, his fry out, I guess, his arm for Meatwad to hold on to so he can help him cross the street, which is, like, kind of weird. I'd be like, hey, just let's just go. Why are you trying to like hold hands and make it take even longer than it needs to? You're standing in the middle of the road and people are apparently driving like 55 miles an hour. Anyways, that's what happens. Frylock puts his hand out and Miwa touches it. And then we see there's some electricity when their hands touch. There's a bit of a lightning effect or something along those lines. And then we zoom into Meatwad's pupil into his eyeball. And we get the impression here that he's seeing something. He's seeing a vision we see chocolate milk in a glass on a table, which is the same table that we saw in Super Sirloin and Super Squatter. And then we see the chocolate milk carton. And then we see Frylock sniffing the chocolate milk carton. And then we see chocolate milk spilled on the table, so the glass got knocked over. But it doesn't look like normal liquid is coming out of it. It's, it's all chunky and gross looking. And then while all this is going on, we're also getting a skull interlaced through it alongside flames and other menacing effects. So it's supposed to be this scary vision, but it's just chocolate milk spilled and Frylock smelling it. So pretty mundane, but there's, you know, a skull flashing in between and stuff. Really funny effect. So let's listen to how this all goes down. Grab my fry and look both ways for cars. Well, technically, that's not how the pros do it, but... <laughs> Don't drink the chocolate milk. Ow, Do not drink the chocolate milk. Damn, Meatwad, your grip. I know. Come on, let's go get me that chocolate milk. <laughs> but you just said not to drink the chocolate milk. I did. Hell, yeah, don't listen to me. Now, come on. <laughs> don't drink the chocolate milk. Ow, don't drink the chocolate milk. Fine, okay, fine. We won't drink any chocolate milk. What? How come? <laughs> Look, just go into the kitchen and don't touch me. 
So you heard a car honking. The joke here is Shake is on the sidewalk and Frylock and Meatwad are in the road. And you hear a car honking and it goes and it hits Shake who's on the sidewalk. Which is funny because you would expect Frylock and Meatwad to get hit since they're out in the road. But that's not the case. You have to wonder if this person was just driving on the sidewalk for fun. Or if they were swerving out of the way to avoid hitting Frylock and Meatwad. But that doesn't really make sense because they could have gone the other way where Shake wasn't standing. And gone on that other sidewalk. But yeah, Shake gets ran over. A little quick joke that we're not used to getting in Aqua Teen. They don't really do this kind of humor, but I like it. It's a funny little joke at the end there just to transition to the next scene. You heard Meatwad saying, don't drink the chocolate milk. Don't drink the chocolate milk. He has the same vision twice about it being, you know, something wrong with it. And he doesn't really seem to know that he's saying that when he says it. But yeah, that's that scene that ends the whole outside crossing the road thing. I think it was fun. It's a good way to open the episode. I find it interesting that they open the episode... Not related really at all to what the episode will be about. I don't find that they do that a ton. I feel almost like they could have made a whole episode about this, but they didn't. They had a good idea, they played with it for a little bit, and they bring us into something else. Speaking of that something else, here is the flavor text given by Adult Swim before the episode aired. Meatwad acquires an amazing ability to see the future. Shake immediately tries to cash in on it. I should have said that earlier, but I just thought of it now. Thought I'd throw that your way. And that is from the Anime Superhero Forum. You know what that is at this point. Look, 2003 thread from the night that this aired. We'll be talking about it later. So moving into our next scene, we have Meatwad sitting at the table. They really love this table asset. It was introduced in Super Spore. This is its third time coming back out of the four episodes that we've had, including Super Spore and since then. So this asset was just much needed, this table. It seems like Matt and Dave really like having the characters sitting at the table, and now they can finally do that. So yeah, Meatwad's at the table, Frylock brings him a glass of milk, and then Meatwad spills it, he instantly just knocks it over, and we see the prophecy that he had, we see the chunky milk on the table, we find out the milk was bad, they'll get into that, but something I want to mention before we play the clip is that Master Shake just comes right into the house, he opens the door and comes in and joins in on the conversation, and he just got hit by a car, he's totally fine, like, that alone is funny, but also the fact that he knows what's going on in the conversation, even though he was outside. Carl used to do similar things in Season 1. We haven't seen that a whole lot. He did it early Season 2 as well, but now that we're getting towards the mid-Season 2, we haven't seen it so much. It'll probably come back again. But that's the thing that Matt and Dave like doing, where characters just come inside and they already know what's going on in the conversation. But again, also that Shake, you know, he's not, he's not bandaged up. He's not coming back from the hospital, nothing like that. He was hit by a car, but now he's just fine, which I like. I like that they didn't dwell on that. They had their funny little joke of him getting hit on the sidewalk, but he's just back in the scene and the episode keeps going on. So we're set up. Let's see this prophecy unfold. Don't you be giving it to me in that sippy cup. I'm an adult and I deserve an adult glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, this milk is expired, Meatwad. <laughs> I like it when it's chunky, it's spreadable, and it's edible. How could he have known this milk was spoiled? <laughs> well, Shake, it's been in there 18 months. But he knew! <laughs> Look, <laughs> fellas, it doesn't matter. The point is, I still am gonna eat it. Well, you're not gonna get it, Meatwad, because this is going right in the garbage. Wait. So at the end of the clip there, Meatwad goes to stop Frylock from grabbing the chocolate milk. He says, wait, and he goes to touch him. We get into another prophecy. We'll get into that in a second. I, I need to talk about this scene a little bit. I love the way that Meatwad just starts crying as soon as the chocolate milk gets knocked over, but then he just stops instantly crying to talk normally to Frylock about, about the milk. Meatwad likes when the milk is spoiled and old because it's spreadable and chewy, and it's funny because in Super Squatter, he talks about liking his hot dogs you know, slimy, 
old, warm, smelly. So Meatwad's definitely got a taste. Hey, he's living his best life, eating what he likes, and he does not want Frylock to take his milk away from him. As I said, Frylock goes to pick it up and Meatwad stops him, and by doing so, touches Frylock's hand, or I guess his fry, and he gets another vision. All we see in this next vision is a close-up of the trash can, and then Frylock opening it, and he looks kind of shocked. And we see, again, the skull interlaced. It's cut into this vision and stuff like that. Very dramatic. But as we've seen from this vision, it wasn't really that bad. It was a little melodramatic of a vision to have for the circumstances. And let's see if that plays out again this time. <laughs> Don't open the trash. Do not open the trash. Don't open the trash. Oh, no. What's in the trash? Soon you will know. Well, I guess we'll just have to find out. <laughs> It's stinky, isn't it? I knew it's gonna be stinky. He has the gift. He can see the future. Sometimes trash does stink, okay, Shake? But he predicted it. Surely you're not implying that was coincidence. So we can see that Shake is really feeding into Meatwad's ability. He's hyping Meatwad up, and Shake is totally on board with this prophecy business. But Frylock isn't falling for it. Of course, Frylock being the scientific man that doesn't really believe in these kinds of things. Before we continue on, let me give you a few random tidbits from the commentary on this episode. Apparently, Matt and Dave would write about two or three pages more script than they could fit into the show. And I really want to see this. I, I really wonder if any of these scripts are lying around with the extra stuff that got cut. Of course, you know, it wouldn't be as polished as the whole episode would be. It might not even, in some cases, have anything to do with the episode a whole lot, but I'd still like to see it. And it is revealed in the commentary that Dave and Matt are not afraid to cut a joke if they don't think it's working, which is nice. They're not too precious about any specific jokes. And it takes about six weeks to do a moving storyboard of an episode before it is sent off to get a complete full animation done. So, all right, there's some random facts for you. Let's jump back into the scene. And we have Master Shake saying, surely it wasn't coincidence that Meatwad knew that the trash was stinky. This trash can, by the way, in their kitchen, the first time we've seen it. And another little thing here I want to point out is we always talk about the dividers between the kitchen and the living room, how one of them is broken. Sometimes it's unbroken, all this sort of stuff. But when we see an inside shot of the kitchen, we see that the divider is not broken but then when we are out in the living room, we see the divider is broken like usual. So it's funny to, you know, go between two shots and see it fixed and then broken and all this stuff from different angles. But all right, again, Shake says, surely it wasn't coincidence that the trash was stinky. Meatwad's going to roll into the kitchen. Let's hear what he's got to say. No, it was the prophecy <laughs> starring Christopher Walker. He wasn't <laughs> in that at all. He was. Look, you must tell me. When am I getting some? Okay. But, you know, don't actually touch me. You got germs. Okay. Just grab on the... Grab on to this thing. Okay. Meatwad mentioning The Prophecy starring Christopher Walken, which Christopher Walken was in a movie called The Prophecy, and again, he was also in the movie that The Meat Zone is based off of. But Shake says, oh, he wasn't in that. He wasn't in The Prophecy. And Shake is wrong here, and it's funny because Shake makes many references to, you know, how they do in the movies, how they do on TV. Oh, I've seen the movies. I know how this goes, all this stuff. But he's getting his movie trivia wrong here. Meatwad is actually correct. Anyways, Master Shake wants his future told. He wants to know when he's going to get some... But he doesn't want to touch Meatwad's hand, so he gets a back scratcher, uh, a long pink back scratcher. It kind of looks like a stick with a little tiny hand on the end of it, all plastic, of course, not a real hand. And you would use that to scratch your back, but he, he uses that as a surrogate for his real hand for Meatwad to grab onto to tell his future. And when Meatwad touches it, he's about to touch it now and, and tell Master Shake's future, and he will see Master Shake 
in Frylock's room reading a magazine called Butt Frenzy, and there's just women's butts all over it. Some of them have bikinis on, some of them don't. Very scandalous magazine. Really kind of shocking that they are showing this on Cartoon Network at this point. But as we've seen in previous episodes, things on Cartoon Network getting a little bit more lax. They're kind of pushing the limits of what they can do here. A far cry from the first season of the show, the first few episodes, where they wouldn't dream of doing anything like this. At the tail end of that prophecy, though, we hear a knock on the door and and Shake kind of freaks out. So that's Shake's future in terms of getting some. And before we listen to that short clip of the prophecy... I have a story from Ned Hastings, who is one of the producers and editors on the show, about this scene. So Ned had this to say. I actually was working on this scene and I had this little tap, tap, tap on the door. And it was a sales type of person from down the hall. And they're like, hey, could we come in and just kind of watch you work with these people from outside of the building? I said, sure, and kept working. I didn't even turn around or look at them. It was the butt frenzy scene. And I'm like, they'll get a kick out of this. And then it's playing and I realize nobody is laughing. And I turn around and there's like a 13-year-old girl and her mother. (laughs) It was not a good day for me, but it was a good day for the annals of Aqua Teen Hunger Force history. So that's me paraphrasing. He says it a little bit differently in the commentary, but to make it work in this format, I cleaned it up a little bit. But yeah, very funny that Ned was piecing this scene together, working on it, and there's people come in, they stand behind him, and then he he realizes, oh, no one's laughing, and it's a a little kid and her mom (laughs) watching him do this. But all right, let's jump in and hear this prophecy, the infamous butt frenzy scene that made Ned Hastings feel bad. French maid. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't expect me home from the whipped cream store so soon, did you? (laughs) And who's your lady friend? Wait, don't open to someone in here. (laughs) I'm wrapping presents. So it's implied here that Master Shake keeps his porno mags in Frylock's room, which is just very odd. I really don't get the impression in this episode that these are Frylock's magazines. Plus, Frylock has a computer, so I don't really know why he would want magazines if he has the internet and a computer, you know what I mean? So just interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where he's stashing these in Frylock's room that he doesn't know that they're in there. Or maybe Frylock does know and he doesn't really care because he does mention in a little bit here that he knows that Shake looks at that magazine, but... You know, it's not touchdown if he knows that it's stored in his own room, that Shake is keeping his stuff in Frylock's place. I don't know. Back to the magazine real quick. It says co-ed butt edition. So we've got some college girls butts, I suppose, in this magazine here. And on the back, it says wet butts and I think best butts. And then I can't make out the last thing. It's it's a little small and blurry. Anyways, that is shit getting some Meatwad sees that prophecy of him just looking at a porn magazine, essentially. So let's jump back from the prophecy and see what happens in real life, uh, I guess, in the Aqua Teen world anyways, and hear what Master Shake has to ask about all of this. What, what did she say? What was I doing? Was she hot? I'm not at liberty to discuss it. Because you don't know, do you? Oh, I know. And it sucks. I'll buy that. <laughs> as long as everybody else finally knows I got it going on. So I gotta go in your room now. I'm gonna be in there a long time, and I am not to be disturbed. Hey, watch this in. <laughs> Wait, don't open. There's someone in here. <laughs> I, I'm wrapping presents. I know what you're doing in there. Now I'm telling Frylock. He knows. He has the gift. <laughs> but he's about to lie to you. Oh, please. We all know what you do in there, Shake. You do it about five to six times a day. And what exactly is it that you think I do? I think you read Butt Frenzy. No, I don't. But how do you know? <laughs> you have the gift. I'm surrounded by shiners. Come on. Where are we going? To exploit him. 
So a self-fulfilling prophecy there because Meatwad foresaw somebody pounding on the door and disturbing Shake. Turns out it was Meatwad himself with Frylock because he knew what was going on in there. Although, you know, we'll get to it. Obviously, spoilers, you've already seen this episode of Aqua Teen. These are not real visions that Meatwad is having. So Frylock says that Shake does it five to six times a day. He looks at those magazines in there. I assume he's doing more than looking, but that's all that they show in the episode. Then it would make sense that Meatwad would expect that to be the case because this happens all the time. Anyways, at the end of the clip there, Shake says that he's surrounded by shiners. He says that Frolic has the power too if he knew what Master Shake was doing in there, which is hilarious. He, he thinks he's so covert. He's so good at hiding what he's doing, but really he's not. But anyways, Shiners there is a reference to The Shining, another Stephen King novel. So another connection there to The Dead Zone, which, you know, the Meat Zone is based off of. Then at the end of the clip there, Shake is holding the back scratcher that he had Meatwad hold before. He basically skews it into Meatwad. He just stabs it through him and picks him up with it, and he runs off. So we are running off to Foodie Mart, which is a convenience store slash grocery store that they go to a few times throughout the series, this being the first instance of it, although we do not see them go inside. They just stand outside of it, at least in this episode anyways. Eventually, we will go inside, but not today. But what do we see outside the Foodie Mart? It really just looks like a normal gas station. There's no real jokes here. Up top, we see a banner that says milk, soda, snacks, cigarettes, gas, cheese. There's a freezer outside with ice in it. And then we see that they can play the lotto. There's a sign for the mega lotto in the window. And that's what they're there to do. In our next clip, Shake is about to ask for the Jersey Midnight Fantasy Pick 7, which is just the specific lotto that they are entering. And so Meatwad grabs onto the back scratcher, but he he sees a prophecy of Meatwad himself holding a dirty diaper, and Shake is beating Meatwad with the back scratcher. So knowing that, Meatwad takes the back scratcher and says, Oh, well, this is this is the future of the back scratcher, not of you, and then he breaks the back scratcher. So let's jump into that clip. Okay, I need the numbers for the Jersey Midnight Fantasy Pick 7. So latch on. No, don't hit me with I'll wear on you all night. <laughs> no. How's it taste, mother? <laughs> Okay, uh, that was more the future of the back scratcher and not really you, no, so really? let's just take <laughs> this and break it into a bunch of pieces. Are you sure? And let me put your hand. I don't know. I'll be as gentle as a lamb. Fine, but I'm against it. It works out with weights. Wow! Meatwad's saying, I'll be as gentle as a lamb. That works out with weights, and he grabs Shake's hand really hard. Meatwad gets a vision of some lotto balls falling in place, and... Unfortunately, he can't really read them or decipher them, so he just kind of makes up. He just says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Really, what the numbers are are this. There is a one, a two, then 49, 758, then a K, and then one with a bunch of words on it. It says, no one loves you. They're just pretending to be nice, but they talk bad about you after you leave the room. You're going to die alone. <laughs> And then after that, there's a, a troll doll head that falls in place. So that's everything that goes on. Very, very funny. Very gratifying visually to see this whole thing play out. But hey, we don't got visuals. We're doing the best we can. Let's give it a listen. One, two, my fingers, damn it. One, three, four. Come on, this hurts. Five, five. Yes, five. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Come on, I just need one more. Oh, you yeah. Just... yeah, the last one, sir. <laughs> All right, that's what I was going to put before I talk to you. Just so we're clear here on the distribution of funds. So Shake is saying, oh yeah, I was going to put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, anyways. 
just so we're clear here, because he's not going to share any of the money when he wins. I try not to do this a lot, but I just, I love this joke with the troll doll head falling in. And then Meatwad's like, hey, how you doing? He's just so excited. It makes no sense. And this is where the episode goes off the rails because Meatwad has this vision. And then he says, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Of course, we'll see if this is true or not. I mean, you've seen the episode, so you know what happens. But like at this point, Meatwad is seeing stuff that can't possibly have happened. And he gives out different information but then the information he gave out turns out to be correct because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven does turn out to be the winning numbers. Spoiler alert. And just in case that wasn't clear, I'm saying that in his vision, he didn't see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's like, all right, well, what is going on here? We also heard Master Shake in the background during that entire segment of him just yelling because his hand hurts because Meatwad is squeezing it so hard. And something I want to point out here that I noticed while watching this is if you look at the left side of the screen while the electricity effect is going on, on Meatwad and Shake's hands, you'll occasionally see some of it on the left side of the screen just pop up. It doesn't really make sense. This is obviously some sort of glitch. It wasn't intended, but really have to wonder in production how this ended up even happening. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's there. You can see a little bit of that effect peeking into the frame occasionally on the very far left of the scene, far away from the characters. Again, it makes no sense why it's there, but it's there and it's fun to see. So, all right, let's jump into the next clip now. We are still in the same scene, and Meatwad just said that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 were the winning lotto numbers, and Frylock is about to speak up about this. Well, gee, that's interesting. Those are the same exact numbers in your Learn to Count Numbers book. You're right. That is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? That he's not right? Well, how do you explain the trash thinking? Well, I guess I can't. Or need I remind you of the milk incident? I'll tell you this much right now. The numbers are not 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. When Shake is going on, he's like, well, what about the trash thinking? And then before he says need I remind you about the milk incident? He gets closer to Frylock. It's just a great staging touch. I love it so much. He just kind of inches closer to Frylock. And need I remind you? Just so funny. But but yeah, this is just setting us up to see what the winning numbers are because Frylock is like, oh, they're not going to be. And we jump into the next scene. And of course, we see on the TV, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This announcer seems to be voiced by Dave Willis, and Shake out of anger throws down his lotto ticket, it explodes, and then he jumps up and pushes over the TV and that explodes as well, and we get our classic Space Ghost Coast to Coast bonfire fires on those, you know, the fires we saw all throughout season one, there's one giant one on the TV and two little ones on the, on the lotto ticket, it's just so funny to see them just copy and paste this fire and scale it. Honestly, even though we had a bigger fire budget in the first couple episodes of the season, I just really love these classic Aqua Teen ones that we're, that we're used to. Again, ripped from Space Ghost Coast to Coast, it is a campfire that was green screened and, and you know, cleaned up so that they could throw it over stuff and they just kept using it on the show. It's a classic. So let's jump into that scene where we see the numbers. Of course, you know, with this podcast cutting clips up, you kind of missed out on that joke of Frylock saying it's not going to be the numbers. And then we cut to it immediately being the numbers. So keep that in mind. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Oh, for frig! Damn it! <laughs> what are the chances, Donna? Hey, Donna! Come on, shoot me in the head! Come on, it could have been a coincidence, Shay. Where is he? Because I predict that his brain is about to be yanked out right now. You were the one who picked the different numbers. Because you said that he would... With the... You're the brains that's coming out! Yeah, it's true, because Master Shake wants to punish Meatwad because he didn't win, but but Meatwad did tell him the right numbers. Shake's the one who didn't pick them, so not Meatwad's fault here. The big brain geniuses over on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force wiki wrote up a little bit about the odds of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 being the numbers, so let me read you the little excerpt here. 
Both Frylock and the TV lottery announcer show extreme surprise that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 are rolled for the lottery numbers. The announcer even says, what are the chances? The chances are exactly the same as any other combination of seven numbers in a field of 44. Actually, i.e., extremely low chances. It just seems impossibly unlikely because it highlights the extreme odds, several million to one, against anybody guessing the right combination. So that's what it says. I can't verify that, but it seems to check out with me that while, you know, a coincidence that these are the numbers, it's not any more unlikely than anything else being the numbers. So there you go. I really have to wonder, too, what did Shake put down for his numbers? Because he didn't put the numbers Meatwad said to. What else did he put? I gotta wonder. As for playing the lottery, I've only ever done it if people gift me a scratch-off card. I've never thought to buy anything for myself, but I guess I'm not, I'm not a risk-taker. I'm not trying to win the big bucks. But all right, let's move on to our next clip. And this is where things get interesting because Meatwad had that vision of Shake using the back scratcher to beat Meatwad while he was holding a dirty diaper. And in that clip, I forgot to mention that Shake was holding the lotto ticket. Here he's not because it exploded, but we have Meatwad roll into the room and he is holding a dirty diaper. So, you know, it all kind of plays into that vision that he had, which I think is really fun and really smart stuff. And remember, since Meatwad broke the back scratcher, Shake can't beat him with it. So let's see what happens instead. Behold, it is I. I bestow upon you my dirty diaper. <laughs> but there is another. Who among you shall embark upon such a quest? To, you know, peel it off the ceiling. It's stuck up there. Shut up. You're not Yoda. Yes, I foresaw that you would say that. But give forth to me your fire, red one, and secrets told shall be. Oh, you think you can see the future, huh? Let's dance! So, Meatwad just kind of getting full of himself, and that's something that we're used to. You know, we saw it in Blumenstein, we saw it in Dubburn Days. He's not going quite as over the top in this one, and also, you know, just Matt and Dave not writing him to be as over the top, which I like. It's fun to see Meatwad get kind of cocky here and get full of himself, but not in the same way that we are used to. So it's kind of a similar premise to what we've had in season one, but just done differently here. And I kind of actually prefer this way. I mean, I love both of those other episodes as well, but here it's just, I don't know, it's a little bit more interesting to see him more reserved. He's full of himself, but nothing really crazy is happening. It's revealed though that Meatwad uses a diaper apparently, which this is the first time of that being mentioned. He's holding one, and then he also reveals that one is stuck on the ceiling. He needs somebody to get it down. That plot line, though, isn't really ever explored, which is kind of a bummer. I'd like to know more about that. But yeah, Frylock is getting fed up, as he does in Dumber Days, when Meatwad's being an asshole. And it's kind of a similar thing here, where Frylock is fed up, and so Meatwad is going to hold Frylock's hand and tell his future, because Frylock wants to prove that Meatwad can't actually tell the future. Meatwad predicts that Frylock will go outside and explode right away in front of the door. And to prove him wrong, Frylock goes outside, and I kind of have to give it away. There is an explosion, but... It's not Frylock, and, and they'll explain it there, but it's interesting because Meatwad's vision shows specifically fries being blown all over the place, but that doesn't happen in the real explosion. Frylock is fine, so let's take a listen to that. Don't leave the house! Do not leave the house! Ooh. You heard the man! <laughs> I, hey, where do you think you're going? I'm leaving the house, because ain't nothing gonna happen to me. Well, so are we! And guess what? He knew. <laughs> yep, I'm pretty amazing. The dog blew up again. So it's just randomly a dog blew up. Makes no sense. This episode is, I feel like, a little bit wackier than the episodes we've been getting. Just all the, these random little loose threads that just pop up and go away. The dog exploding, Meatwad's diaper. It's just none of it makes sense, but it's there and I'm liking it. Watching back this time, finally I realized that there is a dog barking sound. 
as Frylock goes outside. Uh, so that makes the joke make a little bit more sense. But still, it's just like, what dog? We never actually see a dog. We just see a huge explosion outside. So from there, we move on to our next clip. We cut right to Carl's house. We have Shake showing up to try and get money from Carl so that he can basically play the lottery with this money because Meatwad has proven that he can predict the lotto numbers and... That's what Master Shake is here to do. He needs a little seed money to get things going and they'll be rich, which I love it because this plot point is kind of later picked up later on in the season with the cloning. So we cut to Shake in front of Carl's door. The door is open and Carl is peeking outside of the door. Now, when you watch this the first time, you might not think anything of it, but hearing the people who worked on the show discuss it, this actually took a lot of thought to get this little animation, this little segment to work because Carl wasn't animated to, you know, look around a door or anything like that. He's really just animated to stand there in the center of the screen and talk. So they had to figure out what best way to convey this. I think they did a good job. I mean, it's very convincing in the fact that I never even noticed that this might even be something hard to do shows that they did a good job. I never really thought about this scene twice until now. So there you go. Carl peeking around the door. Not as easy as it sounds. Carl is also wearing a Giants jersey, the New York football team. And the colors on that are blue and then white and then red. So he's got a new shirt on and it's funny because you can see some of his hair poking out of the sleeves of the shirt. Basically, you know, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, that could just be because maybe his hair is so, you know, thick and stuff that it can poke out of the jersey. That would make sense. But really, it's just an animation error. They, they didn't go back and clean it up or anything like that. They just threw the shirt over Carl and that's it. And again, with this shirt is they had to animate the shirt when he moves, which, you know, is a whole new set of animations really makes you appreciate when they go the extra mile to add stuff like this to the show, because it's not super simple, at least back in 2002, 2003. So, all right, let's jump over to Carl's house and hear what Shake has to say to Carl. Hey, Carlac! What's up? Hey, I uh, thought we decided not to call me that. <laughs> I wouldn't normally, to your face. But I'm feeling lucky. How much you got in your wallet? No, and no, what would you no, say no, if no. I told you I could trip? And I would say that I've heard this before. <laughs> so Carl instantly shutting this down. I'm going to cut in here to describe visually what they are about to show. Basically, there is an oil stain in Carl's driveway that Shake has convinced Carl to advertise. There is a sign put up. There are velvet ropes around it, and they're claiming that it looks like Jesus's face, which is kind of a thing. You know, in the news, I've seen things like, oh, this stain on the wall looks like Jesus's face, all this stuff. So it's not like a complete random thing to do because people have done this before, but apparently it didn't financially work out. And let me describe the sign to you real quick. It's just a sign that you would put the letters on that would light up behind it, I, I assume. And I want to point out that the letters are a combination of black and red. It looks like they're using letters from two different letter sets. The sign says, see the sacred oil stain. See Carl inside for tickets. Get blessed out the yin yang. <laughs> Just so random. It doesn't even say that it looks like Jesus's face. Oh, there's also an arrow on the sign that's pointing. And the sign is placed on top of something that you would hitch to the back of a truck. So it's just left there out in the road pointing at Carl's driveway. And it's funny that you have to go inside and talk to Carl to get tickets to see this thing when you could literally just walk up and see it for free. Doesn't make any sense. Clearly a poorly thought out business decision. So that's what they're about to show and allude to. So Carl is mad at Shake because he believes Shake about this whole oil stain business and it did not work out for him. So he is very hesitant to give Shake his money. Beyond that, Shake also convinced Carl to make some sort of filters. I'm not entirely sure what kind of filters these are, unfortunately, but there's a picture of Jesus on them with a crown of thorns on the top of the filter. The filter looks like a T. I can't give more detail than that, unfortunately. I'm not sure what you would put these in, but they kind of touch on it in the episode. 
Otherwise, though, the filters are blue, where, where there is not a Jesus on them. And on the bottom, it says I-N-R-I, which I'm not going to try and pronounce the Latin on that. Basically, it stands for Jesus the Nazarene King of the Jews. So they're just really trying to cash in on this Jesus thing with the oil spill in the driveway and then these filters. So, all right, let's jump back into this scene. Again, Master Shake is talking to Carl, trying to get some money. Carl ain't giving up the money for reasons we discussed. What, the oil stain? Yeah, the oil stain. Tell me that that does not totally look like Jesus. And people would have paid to see it if it's with the South, Carl. Yeah, well, the sign and the poles cost money, Shake. And I still got about a thousand of these in my living room. We're hoping they ascend into heaven, because no one's buying them. But how about in planes? They don't fit planes, neither! They should! We designed them! That that sound is is Carl throwing the filter at Shake, hitting him in the head, and it bounces away. Carl and Shake designed the filters, which again, I wish I knew what this filter went to. If you know, please let me know. But otherwise, I would love to see the scene where Shake and Carl are actually designing this and putting this whole scheme together. I would love to see them try and work together, because I'm sure that in itself would be hilarious. But overall, I, I can't blame Carl for being hesitant to this, to not wanting to give Shake any money, let alone with the failed business ideas, but it really would put you in an, an awkward situation when a friend comes up. Even a good friend is like, hey, let me put a bunch of your money into the lottery and I'll win. It's like, I don't know about that. So I can't really blame Carl, especially, you know, as he said before in Circus, he works hard for his money and he can't just be thrown it away willy-nilly, although he apparently has been with all of these failed ideas between him and Shake. Anyways, jumping back in, Shake is going to explain, look, Meatwad can tell the future, we can win the lotto. And there's a really funny joke here of you will hear Meatwad's meat sounds. Meatwad will roll up behind Shake because Meatwad's, you know, wondering what's going on over here. And Shake will turn around to call for Meatwad and Meatwad's right there behind him and it scares Shake a little bit. It's just such a random funny touch that wasn't necessary as always, but it's just like a huge payoff. They're doing that a lot more in this episode and I'm really wondering if we'll see this more going through season two because we have these tiny little things that we didn't really see in season one. Season one was more, you know, to the point while they have these, you know, subtle little jokes throughout season two. So let's check that out. Oh, man, you are getting me so angry. <laughs> Look, let's forget that, okay? I've got something. There's science behind this. And <laughs> legend. And hold. Hey, get over here. Oh, we'll show them the damn future. Hurry up. Prepare to see what cannot be seen. All right, I have to cut in here and explain that Meatwad touches Carl's hand. It's funny because Carl just instantly puts his hand out. He knows what needs to happen. He puts his hand out and Meatwad touches his hand and nothing happens. Like there's no shock between them. So Meatwad can't tell Carl's future. And this is not convincing Carl, obviously, that this plan is a good idea to invest Carl's money into the lotto. I also want to mention that when Meatwad steps up to touch Carl's hand, Shake just backs out of the scene. Again, going with the whole they can't really show the characters moving around, like they can't change directions mid-shot. They have to just back out of a scene, basically, if they need to go the opposite way of where they're looking. So, all right, let's hear Meatwad's powers not work. Wait. Hang on. Um, shoot. What's the problem? We have a, we don't have, do we have a problem? Hey, let me see, let me see your other hand. No. Okay. What's, what's happening? What the hell? What's it doing? It's pissing me off. No, it's about to, just chill out. Well, He's kick it in. Hold Let's on. Get the I'm not going to pay you just to do that. Give us a minute, Carl. Will you hit it? No, it's, it's coming. Get a little professionalism, please. Try, the, try the middle finger. Um, <laughs> I've asked you nicely. Uh, this is uh, going in your file. Uh, <laughs> Don't make me go to the higher ups. Here, here it comes. The, the giants are number one. The, the, the giants are number one. Is the future. Your future. Hey, man, that's not a prediction. That's a fact of life. You tell me something I don't know. You better do it. 
and quick. So I don't know that I mentioned on Carl's shirt, it does say Giants, but it also says there's a one on it. So that's why Meatwad just looks at Carl's shirt and it zooms in on Carl's shirt that says Giants one. And that's why Meatwad's like, the Giants are number one. Like he's coming up with this. But I just love this whole sequence, this whole scene of it being awkward that this doesn't work. And this is such a realistic depiction of when something that you're like, oh, it'll work, watch. And then it doesn't work. This is just, oh, shoot, hold on. Give me a sec. Like, it's just perfect. You don't expect to see this from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, from this stupid show about talking food products they just really convey this real human awkwardness i guess that happens in real life similar to something you would see in like the office maybe just some great dialogue here and a lot of dialogue back and forth between carla meatwad of course both done by dave willis wonderfully because kind of imagine it's not easy to have realistic kind of conversations with yourself like this where it's very convincing and you have shaken the background like oh this is going on your file like Meatwad is one of his employees or something like that and it's funny because Meatwad says oh maybe let me try your other hand and Carl says no and not only is that funny that Carl would just say no I'm already giving you this one hand but also in terms of animating it would be very difficult for them to have Carl extend a different hand for Meatwad to touch so it's almost like the the animators or the just the people making the show saying no we can't switch this hand. It has to be this hand. So we really have to wonder why isn't Meatwad's power working here? It worked pretty well every single other time he tried to use it, but it's not working now. And we just cut right to basically they convince Carl somehow that there's oil on his property. So in our next shot, we have Meatwad and Shake standing near a bunch of what looks like dirt. And there is an oil extraction pump thingy. I don't know what these are called. Something you would see on an oil field or whatever in Carl's yard, like right in the front of his house, just trying to find oil here. And Meatwad will explain that he never even said that that was a possibility. I didn't say jack to him about having oil on his property. Well, are you prepared to tell him that? <laughs> yeah, it's a little late for your concern. Where were you when he was putting it up? <laughs> you the one that told him. Because you were the one that was about to blow it. Listen, there's plenty of oil in Dallas. They shouldn't have it all. And by the way, Dallas, that's on TV. <laughs> so Shake is just bringing up a random TV show called Dallas, which is a real show. Dallas starting in 1978 and running for 14 seasons. Very popular show back in the day. And that's where Shake is getting his ideas here. He says that Meatwad was about to blow at the fact that I guess that Shake couldn't double Carl's money. I don't really know because for all that they knew up till that point is that Meatwad could. And I don't, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me why why Shake convinced Carl that there's oil on his property. But again, he's he's got Dallas on the mind. So he had to suggest something from the show, I suppose. Really shocking, though, that Carl bought into any of this because, you know, he's clearly saying no, no, no at the beginning. And then Meatwad failed to even tell the future. So how did they convince him to do this? I guess that's just the, the joke, you know, because we, we get this pan out shot of the oil extractor on Carl's property. And we also see that oil stain on his driveway, too, showing that he's just falling for all these dumb schemes that Shake has. Anyways, I haven't mentioned it yet, but whenever we pull out of Carl's house really far, we can see a house next to his. It's a white house with kind of salmon-colored trim around the windows. Otherwise, not a whole lot else to say about it. Just kind of interesting. Gotta wonder who's living there with all this crazy shit going on next door. Another thing I haven't mentioned, which I've brought up a bit, is that... On some of the characters' mics, you can hear a real fuzz whenever they talk, which the only reason I feel like it's worth bringing up is because sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. So you have to wonder what's going on when it is there. Why is it there suddenly when in previous episodes it wasn't? So anyways, let's jump into our next clip here. We have Frylock flying into the scene. Again, Shake and Meatwater standing by a bunch of dirt while this oil thing is doing its job. And he kind of talks to them about it a little bit. And then Meatwater will reach up and touch Frylock's beard 
instantly we will see the electricity there and we kind of get this fake like we're gonna get a vision but it, it stops really quickly we don't see anything Meatwad just says, don't leave the house, don't leave the house. Shake also playing into this by saying that Frylock is a dead man and all this stuff. So Shake clearly believes Meatwad's visions, which I guess so far he's been right about everything. So why wouldn't you? But anyways, Frylock says, oh, I'm not, I'm going to leave the house. I'm going to stay outside. And Meatwad says, all right. And he just rolls away. So that's what we're going to get here. So Meatwad predicted oil, huh? We're not telling you. You're toast, baby. <laughs> hey, I'm talking to a dead man here. Don't leave the house. Will you get off me? Do not leave the house. <laughs> Well, in that case, I'll stay out here as long as I please. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Meatwad rolling away. I want to mention that in the commentary, the guys talking mentioned how C. Martin Croker did over 60 frames of Meatwad rolling. So they have a lot of Meatwad rolling animations to play with. And that's a reminder that, you know, beyond voicing Dr. Weird and Steve, C. Martin Croker did a decent amount of animation on this show. Anyways, moving on, we cut into Frylock's room and we have Meatwad jumping on Frylock's bed. So he is happy that Frylock is not coming inside because Meatwad can do whatever he wants. And on the bed are tubes of what turns out to be caulk, which is a an adhesive. And Meatwad has been eating this. They'll get into that. But yeah, let, let's jump into this longish clip. It's the whole scene in Frylock's room. Didn't really make sense to cut it up. So enjoy. <laughs> this is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Predicting the future? No, you're messing up my bedspread. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, look, hey, I mean... D don't look in the room! Do not look in the room! See ya. Uh-uh, no, you don't. Hey, man, what the... You've been eating all my cock! Cock? No, this is cheese. No, it's highly toxic industrial adhesive used to connect electronic circuitry to steel. It's cock! And it's good, too. Listen to this, okay? Avoid human contact, may cause dizziness, nausea, and an ability to think you can see the future, but you can't. Well, what's it say about finding oil? Nothing! <laughs> Uh-oh. So we hear an explosion outside. Of course we will get to that, but a lot going on here. I love that in this episode, both Shake and Meatwad are using Frylock's bed for their own means, really. Or using Frylock's room, rather. And something worth pointing out here is when Meatwad is on the bed, he has a, a bottle of caulk in a caulk gun. So this is something you would squeeze, you know, to get the essentially the glue to come out, for lack of a better term. And later he's on the floor and he just picks one up and squeezes it into his mouth. So it's funny, he doesn't even need the gun. He's so strong there. He can just squeeze it, which I guess is kind of shown throughout the episode when he's grabbing people's hands. He's doing it very hard, at least on shakes. And I want to note here, if you're watching the episode, when Meatwad is on the bed, Look at the caulk gun. This is a high resolution item because they zoom in on Meatwad using it. But there's a, a caulk tube on the bed on the left side and it's noticeably low resolution because they don't zoom in on that one. So it's just not as high quality, which is kind of funny to see these two different quality images, even though it's the same item. So it's more noticeable when one is low resolution and one isn't. Frylock says that caulk is used to adhere electronic circuitry to steel. And I do like, I'm no expert here. I don't think that's what caulk is used for. You would use silicone for that. Like, everything I can see about caulk, you don't use it for that. You use it more in your home to just seal up gaps and stuff like that. So, not really sure what that's about. And that leads me to a quote from the commentary. In it, somebody says, John Breston, who worked on the show, noticed that the caulk scene was written right around the time Dave Willis was caulking stuff in his home. So, again, the, the guys writing this show are pulling from their real lives in these really fun, interesting ways. Because as a little kid, I didn't know what caulk was, and, and I, I learned about it from Aqua Teen. So it's always fun when stuff like that pops up. 
Anyways, back to the story of the episode. It's revealed in this scene that eating cock can cause you to think that you can see the future, but you can't. And that's what's been going on this whole time. Meatwad couldn't actually predict the future. Everything he was really predicting up until the lotto stuff was really just, you know, common sense kind of stuff that you could assume was going to happen. And it's funny that it says keep away from humans or something along those lines because the Aqua Teens are not humans, but it's not really referenced here. That really makes me wonder, though, what this electricity was whenever Meatwad would touch people. We could see electricity, so that just adds a whole level of confusion. Like, was something actually going on here? Can't really tell. I do want to point out, though, that this electricity is very reminiscent, if not the same effect, that we saw in Dumber Days. And the point of that episode was that Meatwad didn't actually have a, a better brain or anything like that, but he did have these powers. So it seems like there's kind of this, this through line of Meatwad kind of having powers when he thinks he does. And... We see this electricity effect in both of these episodes, so kind of interesting there. In case you're wondering, this is not the same electricity effect that we saw in Balloon and Stein, where we saw that Meatwad really did have powers there because of the electricity he got from being in the dryer, from all the static. But alright, let's jump into the final clip of this episode, and this is Master Shake believing that they just struck oil in Carl's yard, but it turns out they just hit the septic tank. Let's give it a listen. Is it supposed yeah. to stink like this? Oh. Yeah, that's why they call it crude, Carl. No, it's not. We hit my septic tank, you jackass. Oh, <laughs> so you're storing extra oil in your septic tank. Come on to you. You're wearing my dinner. Oh, gross. You eat corn? I hate corn. So that is it, Carl tackling Master Shake at the end, then it cuts to the end credits. It's funny because we see Carl and Master Shake covered in this black stuff, which you figure out is just the stuff inside Carl's septic tank, which is, I mean, in layman's terms, it's where the poo-poo goes when you flush the toilet, essentially. And so they're covered in just excrement, and there's apple cores in it, there are fish bones, there are a ton of bones in there. So Carl, I'm not really sure what he's flushing down the toilet, but I don't think you're supposed to be putting all that stuff down there. So that is the meat zone. Let's hop on over to the anime superhero forum, where as always, we are seeing what was going on the night that this episode aired, what people were thinking about it, what the reaction was, and the reaction on this one was overwhelmingly positive. A lot of people really love this one. People saying that it's the funniest episode of season two. And that the last few episodes have just been getting better and better and better. So season two on an uptick, which, you know, living in the future now, knowing what season two looks like ultimately, I know is the case. It, season two just keeps getting better and better and better. So these people were witnessing it in real time. I'm just going to read you one comment because it's all people saying, A plus, love this one, great episode, all that good stuff. And we have Mind Head who says, not a bad episode at all. My only gripe is the septic tank joke at the end. Aqua Teen Hunger Force isn't exactly what I'd call highbrow, but they're usually above making poo jokes for the sake of poo jokes. It just seemed kind of out of place and didn't make me laugh, but the whole rest of the episode was so good, so I'm not complaining. Overall grade, B+. Yeah, uh, I didn't really find this particularly odd, but I can see where Mindhead is coming from. Aqua Teen definitely doesn't make poop jokes, but this one isn't like super crass or anything like that. I think it's funny and it really just is a great payoff for... Carl believing all this shit that Shake always says and going through with it, setting up this oil pump on his property, which he should have known was a mistake, and then literally just getting covered in shit because of it. So I, I think it's a decent end. I like it. So since I'm touching on it now, let me move into my thoughts here. I really like the way that this episode progressed. We were kind of all over the place, but in a, in a good, fun, coherent way. We start off with Meatwad loading across the road. Then he can tell the future. They play around with that in the chocolate milk and stuff. 
Then we get that butt frenzy scene. We go over to the foodie mart. And then from there, we go back home and then eventually to Carl's house and Carl gets involved. It's just kind of all over the place, but in a way that is kind of impressive for an episode that is so short. They f- it feels like they were able to accomplish so much in it. Because of the way it was segmented, it just really clicked with my brain and all of the jokes in it are just like nonstop. It's just firing almost on all cylinders on this one. The writing is just super tight and really just indicative of what we're about to get from season two because they're kind of getting into the flow of things now with just these characters hanging out and they're really just locking into what the show becomes for the rest of the season. It was fun watching Carl get roped into things because you wouldn't expect that he would. He was totally against it. And then we just get that great scene cut of he's just on board and drilling in his yard. And always fun to see Carl in the mix, which is a contrast from the previous episode, Super Sirloin, where Carl was just, you know, spit in the bag and that was it. Here we get a little bit more Carl, more involvement from him. But we also get the backstory of him and Shake having these other business ideas, which we haven't really touched on at all in the show. As you know, I'm always excited whenever Carl's working with the teens instead of against them. I also like how, again, it's it's a Meatwad gets powers kind of episode, and he gets cocky, but not as cocky as previous episodes, so I appreciated that shift away from a premise they've touched on a couple times, but of course this time it's completely different. All that being said, I think I'm going to give this one 4 out of 5 oil spills. I think it's a strong episode, a very solid episode, not one of my favorites, but a very great one nonetheless. This just isn't one that I really recall having loved as a kid watching it, and yeah, nothing in it particularly stands out to me as being iconic, but again, just all the way through, it's a solid ride. I don't really have any complaints about this one. Just for whatever reason, didn't end up one of my favorites, but nothing else they could have done differently to be better, I think. So all right, that's it for me. Uh, My fiance's mom is staying over, and she is trying to sleep upstairs, so uh, excuse how I've been whispering in your ear. This is like an ASMR episode. But yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Thanks for watching along, listening along with me. As always, if you appreciate the show, just supporting the show any way you can. It really helps out. Thank you to Sean, Ian, Josh, Keenan, and Hope2Dope for being super supporters of the show. Appreciate you guys. You can drill for oil in my yard any day of the week. So I'll see you next week. Remember, we don't have a normal deep dive. We are doing our community jiggle on this feed and over on the Patreon. Diving back into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. And I think over on that community jiggle, I might play you a demo song of mine with some singing, some rock and roll, baby. If you're into that, tune in. We got a bunch of other Aqua Teen stuff to talk about. See you then. Take it easy. Have a good week. Bye-bye.